The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, <laughs> Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. This episode of the Recruiter's Lounge originally aired, um, when did it air? <laughs> it aired on June 6, 2007. The, the original title was Only Green Eyes Need Apply, and the original description Reads like this. Jim Stroud and Karen Madden uh, discuss the fine line between giving a client what they want versus obeying the law and thus protecting oneself from potential lawsuits. Find out what was said way back when, June 6, 2007, right after this word from my sponsor. Recruitment marketing, as compared to maybe employer branding, is all about getting your message and your story in front of the right audience. It's a lot to manage. And what Practic Talent does for our clients is we help centralize. So you have one partner, one vendor to help you manage all those relationships. And not only that, we help you track the effectiveness of every media dollar you spend on hiring so that you know in real time that you're getting the greatest ROI for your marketing investment to attract great talent into your company. We help our clients with recruitment marketing in a couple ways. One is in recruitment marketing strategy. And with that, we really take the time to help you build the right strategy. And then we get mutual approval on that strategy before you spend a single dime. The other way we do this is through our agency of record service. This is a partnership with you where we're able to reach out to publishers on your behalf to negotiate better pricing, to execute on media campaigns, uh, and really act as an extension of your team. Some of the benefits that our clients have seen working with Practic Talents Recruitment Marketing Services is an overall reduction of 30% cost per applicant. That's really significant. It's showing that we're able to leverage great technology, programmatic, and we're also flexible and scalable. We're platform agnostic. We're always gonna use whatever the greatest and latest technology is, whatever the best platforms are to help create efficiencies in your media purchasing so that you're always on the cutting edge. For more information on Proactive Talent, visit them online at proactivetalent.com or click the link in the podcast description. This edition of the Recruiters Lounge is brought to you in part by Affinity Circles. Affinity Circles hosts the official online communities for over 100 leading university alumni associations and professional organizations, representing more than 12 million undergraduates and degree professionals worldwide. For more information about Affinity Circles and to take advantage of a special offer available only to my listeners, visit www.jimstroud.com ac. That's www.jimstroud.com ac. Radio, radio, radio Innovative audio on demand. Hi, I'm Jim Stroud. Welcome to the Recruiter's Lounge. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry, and it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. 
Hi, if you've been uh, recruiting for more than three seconds, uh, then you're well aware that there is a war for talent. But have no fear. You have a powerful ally, and it is called the Internet. Now, if you're not sure how to use the Internet to find resumes or passive leads, then I suggest you check out uh, my training videos. Uh, on my site, I have the Recruiter's Guide to Google, uh, how to automate some of the sourcing process, and others. Uh, that will take you from being a novice to an expert, and maybe if you're well acquainted with search engines, they definitely will take your uh, skills just a little bit higher. But um, don't just take my word for it. Listen, if you would, to a testimonial from one of my customers. Hi, Jim. This is Norm Lieberman. As you know, I'm the owner, president of a very successful recruiting firm. I'm an old-timer in the business, been in the business about 26 years. I'm very successful, and uh, but I'm not up to date and great on the computer. I I get all my resumes the old-fashioned way by by calling, dialing into companies, and uh, then when I came across your site and talked to you, I decided to buy the video uh, that you have on how to secure resumes via. Uh, the Yahoo site and I bought that and it was just like you told me very easy to follow very clear-cut um, works great just like you said in the video uh, it wasn't uh, laborious it wasn't uh, uh, strung out with all kinds of technical information you called it all down to very user-friendly material and I can't thank you enough. It was more than worth the money. And uh, hope you keep coming out with other videos because uh, you can count me as a customer. Appreciate it. Thanks again. Bye-bye. If you would like to know how to use the Internet to find resumes and passive leads online, simply go to my website, www.jimstroud.com, and click on the Training Videos link. It's at the top of the page. That's www.jimstroud.com. And again, uh, click the training videos link, which is located at the top of the page. Thank you in advance for your business, and hope to hear your testimonial here soon. Hello, welcome once again. This is Jim Stroud, your host of the Recruiter's Lounge. And with me in the lounge chair, looking as lovely and beautiful as ever, my co-host, you, lo you know her, you love her, Karen Matten. How are you, Karen? i got to come on more often, because just that... The introduction makes me makes me good. <laughs> I swear, it just it carries me over for the week. Okay. You know, people don't say that when you normally walk in the room. The beautiful, the talented Karen Madden. Oh, I should make them. I should start paying people to do. So. <laughs> and the blog is where you're, you're known by other names, so at least I want to give you some positive on this show. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I can appreciate that one. I am outside in my backyard, and the sun is shining. It is such a beautiful birds are chirping away, and um, it's it's just. Good day to be alive. You ever have days like that? Are you in San Diego? No, 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 no. I'm in Hotlanta. Well, you got to remember, I live in San Diego. That's oh. that every day. Oh, it's every day for you. Yeah, I mean, it's like there's two seasons. There's wet and there's dry. <laughs> Most people say it's sunny and then it's sunnier, but I don't know. Well, I guess it would be good. I guess depending on your preference. I mean, it, doesn't, it doesn't rain much here. It's like, I don't know. People, some people say it's boring. I don't know. I love this. I grew up in the Caribbean, so. Oh, yeah, that's right. So this is like normal. I just hate snow. For you all the time. I hate snow. You hate snow? Hate snow. Well, you know, I can enjoy snow as long as it's outside. 
<laughs> and I'm inside. Oh, I think I can still see it from the windows. Well, that's just not my thing. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't live in Alaska. No way. Oh, well, okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. We were talking earlier, um, just just to get back to the format of the show, because people saying, isn't this a show about recruiting oh, yeah. <laughs> and not about the weather? Hey, <laughs> hey you got to bring people to San Diego. you got to take people to Atlanta. Well, there you go. There you there go. You Come go. to Atlanta. It's a beautiful place, you know. Uh, well, I need some jobs to recruit. and just stay at it. Well, anyway, I'm <laughs> rambling. I'm rambling. I'm rambling. All right, back to the subject at hand. This is a recruiting show. So, Tell me um, again, if you would, now that we're on the air, about the story you told me about the employment contract. I thought it was interesting. I thought we should sort of lead the show off that way. Uh, actually, you wouldn't even let me finish the thing because you wanted to. That's right, because I said, don't tell me, don't tell me the ending, just just start off. So let's, let's start from scratch, just like we were uh, before the tape started rolling. Okay. Well, here's the scenario, and I'm going to ask you the question and okay. see what you happens, okay? All right. You have this wonderful contract with this beautiful client. I love this guy, okay? Mm-hmm. You just are, man, he makes more replacements with this guy. Okay. You have a contract. Contract says that you provide free replacements if the client decides not to terminate the candidate, right? Right. So you place this wonderful girl. She's been there for about 60 days. Yep. Your replacement guarantee is 90 days, right? Mm-hmm. So you get an email from the client, client says, I need a free replacement. I want to replace this young lady. She's pregnant. And, that, and, that, and that's the reason he gave me that he wants to replace just, just because she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. That is like such a law. This is such a lawsuit um, waiting to happen there. To whom? To well, I mean, you can't fire someone because they're pregnant. I mean, it's got to break some kind of law, right? Right. Okay. Well, let me, let's let's address that one later. Addressing the the initial question. Okay, what would I do mm-hmm. if I was contractually bound to uh, replace a candidate that the the employer was going to fire, uh, regardless of the reason, and that and that was how it was stated more or less in the agreement we had. Mm-hmm. Then I'm sort of uh, bound by the letter of the law in this case to replace that person, although. I wouldn't be happy about it, um, not just because of money lost, but just because it's just it's unfair. You can't really fire someone just because they got pregnant. Well, that's an interesting analogy. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people have that same kind of thought. Well, that's what most people will think. I mean, gee, I've got a contract with a client. Am I not obligated to fulfill my obligation there? All right, right. Okay, here's the catch. Okay. Happened. This is a real-life story, okay? Mm-hmm. And the recruiter did fulfill the obligation of the contract and did do the replacement and is going to be paying out more than $500,000 in with the client in regards to the settlement. What? See, just because you're legally bound, the law does uphold that you cannot uphold contracts that are legal. So, wait a minute. So firing the person... Because they're pregnant is illegal. Right. And because the recruiter placed that person, um, the candidate who decided to sue the company for that legal firing mm-hmm. placed a suit against the company and the recruiter that Absolutely. placed Absolutely. Now, was this recruiter a corporate recruiter or was it a third party or something? Third party. This was a third party recruiter. Correct. Placed somebody on a site. Correct. The employer fired them simply because they were pregnant. Correct. The person sued the company and the recruiter that introduced them to the company. Well, the recruiter, if she hadn't gone ahead and replaced the candidate and, you know, and said okay to replace the candidate and agreed to it, would have probably nothing would have happened. Wow. See, but the recruiter agreed to the conditions to the client mm-hmm. and agreed that 
they were going to live up. In fact, that's what their argument was in court was to say, but I'm honoring my contract. I'm obligated to honor that contract. Well, the courts say you can't honor a contract that's going to make you do something that's legal. Wow. Wow. And the recruiter probably wouldn't even realize that if the lawsuit hadn't come up. Well, I kind of think that they knew. I mean, unless, well, then I've got to come back to that because there's a lot of recruiters that don't even realize that, you know, just because we're not hiring the candidate that the EUC laws apply to us. Hmm. So it's quite possible that the recruiter didn't know that these laws apply to the recruiter as well. Hmm. That could possibly be, or they thought, that they would never find that the EOC would never find out about them. I mean, a lot of people think, well, I could do it this once, and, and I get caught, and I'll be okay. Yeah, you know, and I won't get caught exactly. But a lot of people don't realize too that if your client gets audited, the chances of you becoming audited are now highly greatly increased. So when a third-party recruiter makes a deal with a company, you need to have some kind of legalese in place that says. Um, whatever happens, happens to you and not me? No, can't that won't work. Why not? Because your actions are still responsible for that person's demise, or, I mean, for that whatever happens, too. You're, it's going to be coming down to your actions. Like, for example, let's say I had something happen to me too recently where a client said to me, okay, I mean, I hope they don't hear this, but I'm going to say it. A client don't mention any names, just say client. I'm not going to, <laughs> but a client wanted, to particular, wanted particular candidates, and they said, we don't want candidates of a particular um, geographical location in the world, first generation. Wait a minute. So they wanted people from. They, they didn't they have a, Americans. They only wanted Americans, so to speak. So to speak. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me play the, the, the advocate, devil's advocate on the side. Okay, now, if I'm understanding you correctly, they only wanted somebody within the country or local. Couldn't that just be relocation issues? Like, I don't have a money, I don't have enough money in my budget to relocate somebody from, say, they said know, first generation. Oh, so they, they were using code words to say, do not recruit any specific uh, ethnic ethnic. Uh, exactly what I was looking for, ethnic, exactly. Oh, uh, so they were trying to talk in code. Well, and then, no, they weren't, it wasn't really code. They said first generation, meaning they, they, they wouldn't even look at permanent residence. So, if, if, so no one from, from a particular ethnicity need not apply, in other words. Exactly. And that is what they wanted to hold you under, under the contract. Absolutely. Uh, great job, great client, too, right? So, and what'd you do? What'd you do? I sent back an email saying, look, um, I don't care what you do on your end. But I'm going to continue to send all candidates, regardless of race, creed, nationality, color, whatever. I am going to continue to send the candidates that are best qualified for the for the job, and you can choose to consider hiring them or not. But as long as I do my end, I don't care what you do on your end. Oh, that does a couple of things. It lets the client know that you will not be discriminatory in the people that you send to them. Uh, they're about placing all of the, uh, I guess, selection criteria uh, in their um, in their case or field or whatever word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. But it also protects you from potential lawsuits because you have stated and you have uh, and proof of an email right. that you were not actively engaged in discriminatory practices. I mean, not only that, I also right after that I sent them a few candidates that did not fit their qualifications, their their prerequisites. 
they fit the skill set, but not necessarily the ethnicity right. uh, criteria that they're exactly. looking for. I'm trying to be yeah, very diplomatic here. And yeah. so right after that, I made sure I submitted those. Can- and I also made I kept every email, and I've kept every information, and I've kept a log of all that information. So should my client ever get audited? And they may have deleted my candidates that may have had that ethnicity background. I have proof that I submitted those candidates to them. Ah. So I keep a great tracking of everything that I've done with this candidate, this particular client. I used to call that the CYA file. What's that? Cover your boop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, the thing is, every recruiter should do that no matter what. And, man, you never know. And, by the way, don't think about, oh, if I delete this or delete that. Deleting gets yourself in more trouble. Sure. I mean, you will find yourself, and I'm going to go the beep word right here, in more grass hmm. if you do not maintain all discovery of your data. If you delete your disc- your data, you're in more trouble. That's mm. going to be jail That's jail time, okay? Because it looks like you're hiding evidence of... of you are hiding it. Well, and the thing is, you know as well as I, that they can go ahead and they can seize your computers and then recover that stuff, the information from your data. Doing some uh, some kind of forensics on your computer. Exactly. They will, pay, they will do forensics. I mean, in fact, um, one of my partners, he just recently was in a case where they had to do data forensics. Mm. It's expensive, and guess who pays for it? The person who loses the lawsuit. No, the person <laughs> who's going through the lawsuit. <laughs> I, I will have to pay for it. They'll have to pay. It's like really quite nasty. So the thing is, like with this situation, I mean, the, you know, the courts look at what is you, what is it that you I mean? Like I once said, that you don't have to have intent to discriminate mm-hmm. to be founded for guilty of discrimination. So you, can, you can be do, so you can do it by accident. Yeah, you can. Or you can do it. You can say, well, the client said he only wanted uh, brown eyes and black hair. Exactly. And he didn't want um, blonde hair and green eyes or something. You, yeah, and that's the thing. It's just because you have to make sure that your practice is consistently living up to the standards of the law and the letter of the law. Um, because again, you know, for everybody who's out there thinking, well, this is just an occasion. It doesn't happen once, but only happens once in a blue moon. That's really a scary premise to look at because these lawsuits happen more often than people think. In fact, you know what's so funny? I was challenged by a mutual acquaintance of ours Mm -hmm. who says, where's your statistics? Where's your facts? How come we don't hear about these lawsuits? Well, I'll tell you why. If I were sued, do you think I'm going to broadcast it? Sort of bad for business to do that. Oh, because my clients know guilty by association. Yep. And there is one recruiting firm here in California, a very large national firm, okay? I know which one you're talking about. I'm not going to say who it is, but this particular recruiting firm, they got their files audited, mm-hmm. and then they got a court to agree for the EEOC to go after and audit every one of their clients. Ah, uh, that's bad. Well, our, well our, so people who think our clients don't care just as long as we get the candidates, Hello, that's not true. Because these guys, even the companies who had very strong ethical um, living up to the law behavior, they're now going to be audited. And that just ruins everyone's day. Well, you, you know, it costs money. I mean, think about it. If For me to be audited, yeah. they'll take my computers. I have to pay for lawyers. I have to go ahead and spend weeks, months 
I mean, I won't be able to make any money if they take my computers while they're auditing me. Right. I have to deal with the headache and tension. And no matter what, it's like my partner said, even if you run a lawsuit, mm-hmm. your, your average cost in one of these lawsuits is $100,000. That's not including the selling of the fees. Now, can I mention something else? Is this an interesting conversation about insurance? Talk it to me. Okay. Somebody is saying, well, why don't you just get errors and emissions insurance? Yeah, why don't you just get errors and omission insurance, Karen? Because it doesn't cover. First off, errors and omissions insurance doesn't cover stupidity, doesn't cover harassment, doesn't cover discrimination, doesn't cover. There's so much things that it doesn't cover. So in those in those instances, you have to pay stupid tax. Yeah. What I what I call it. <laughs> well, that's a good one to call it because I mean, if, you know, a lot of people don't also realize. For example, let's say that I bought errors and omissions insurance today. Yep. But the incident. Um, but I placed a candidate eight, uh, five or six months ago, and my client's now coming after me because they find out five or six months um, now that the candidate had lied on their resume. Is there a statute limitation for that? Because I've heard no. of different um, CEOs, like like uh, like the, the guy from Radio Shack, the CEO from Radio Shack, getting canned because he lied on his resume so many years ago, and, and that woman from MIT, the, the dean, oh, yeah. who got cut for... Uh, Lying on her resume, even though she served in the position for so long. I don't know that. I haven't heard of a statute of um, limitations because I I know that there was one with a, a hospital and they went after this particular recruiting company. They're going. The recruiting company won that particular one. Now there have been incidences where recruiting companies have not. Okay. Mm. But the the um, the hospital is still going. They're planning to re, to redo it again. It was a two year lawsuit and they're planning to come after them again. By the way, this is how long these things last. It can be two years. Five years, six years, and just dealing with EOC or dealing with the court system. Okay. And how much money are companies losing? Uh, how Average much? is five hundred thousand. <sighs> Average is five hundred, but I mean, you look at what happened to um, Abercrombie and Finch. Mm-hmm. What was that? Two hundred fifty million. Yeah, yeah, that was and, pretty. And I think it was PepsiCo that lost another couple hundred million. Oh, oh, Walmart. That has the potential to be billions. Isn't there like a lawsuit a day with Walmart or something? For some right now, Walmart's got a potential class action lawsuit of 1.5 million plaintiffs. Let's talk a little bit more about that. I, I know you. And just just as a um, disclaimer, uh, I know that Karen is not a big fan of Walmart, but <laughs> if anyone who is a big fan wants to debate Walmart, debate oh, Karen on Walmart and. and HR oh, we're not going to the Walmart, and everybody still feels that Walmart's being picked on. Poo, poo, poo. Okay, we won't get into all well, that. Let me, just, let me just say that before you go into that. If anyone wants to debate Walmart, employment issues, all that kind of stuff, on the show, by all means, send me an email, jimstroud at jimstroud.com. Oh, okay. I would love, because Karen will, will talk about it. <laughs> I'll come back with retorts on that one. Okay. You're passionate about Walmart. Walmart decide, has, I guess, I mean, no, listen to this. Right. There is one million pages of discovery. In this thing, okay? Yeah. Discovery alone has been over 10 years. And California Appellate Court has decided that this case can go through, okay? It mm-hmm. is definitely going to go through because Walmart has been fighting in the California Appellate Court said, sorry, we see that there is substance to this lawsuit. So what happened? This, and by the way, the attorneys that are involved with this lawsuit, they don't mm-hmm. lose. They haven't really lost, okay? They were involved with the Abercrombie French and all these other ones, okay? Yeah. So anyways, Walmart decided that women weren't going to get, this is based upon the discovery, okay? I don't know all the facts, except I did read some of the discovery and some of the information on the Internet, okay? Right. Through the website of the uh, com- the company that's doing the lawsuit. They have the information on their website. Mm-hmm. Anyways, long story short, allegedly Walmart, allegedly Walmart. Thank you for saying allegedly. I'm saying that, allegedly 
Walmart was not paying these women equal pay. They were not promoting these women into management roles. And if you look at statistics of what's in retail, predominantly women, okay, and how many <clears throat> professional management that they have in women, it kind of makes you go, huh, okay? And a lot of these women, so in other words, sexual discrimination case, okay? Yeah. They have, and potentially it's 1.5 million plaintiffs. That's a lot of sex, dual discrimination. Yeah. <laughs> That is a lot. I mean, and it's for I mean, it's over a ten-year period. Mm. So I mean, Walmart on this one, they're fighting it tooth and nails naturally because this is going to cost billions. I mean, think about it. If you think about, it, even if they just paid out five hundred dollars to each of these people, right? Gosh, I mean, one point five million. That's a lot of over a ten-year period. Now you got remember too, you got temporary workers who work at Christmas time. You got the are they they're liable? Pardon? Are they can they be included temporarily? Absolutely. Seasonal workers can be included in because that. Because they weren't being. I mean, these seasonal workers were coming in every season, every Christmas, every spring, every summer. But they're there just for a particular. They were not being paid overtime. They were not being paid. Um, they weren't being paid fairly to the men. That doesn't really. Well, if, they, if the guy is getting seven dollars an hour and they're only getting five. And they're doing the same work. And they're doing the same work. Oh, well. See something like that? That that would yeah that would help include the seasonal workers too. Ouch. Ouch. And I mean, that's why they said. I mean, that's why there's. I mean, I was kind of scratching my head and going, 1.5 million plaintiffs. I mean, they don't have that many employees. And you got to remember too, there's high turnover in retail too. Retail has some of the highest turnover. That's true. I've talked to a lot of. I've talked to several retail recruiters, and uh, I feel their angst when trying to place people in those roles because they basically just want a warm button in a seat. Yeah, pretty much. You know, <laughs> so, they're only going to be there for a minute. Can you? I mean, the thing is, again, it's like when you look at how many women actually were at the time during this process. How many women are in management role and percentage? Considering that the majority of women in retail, I mean, the majority of retail is women. Right. You got to really scratch your head and go, why? Why is this percentage so low? It seems so discriminatory. I heard that they are trying to clean up their act and they even won an award. I mean, I can't believe this. About a year ago, they won an award for being one of the best companies in regards to discrimination. Well, I guess, too, every time a company has been sued in regards to some kind of um, issues regarding employment, they have to take classes, like three years' worth of classes in that particular issue. Well, that's a step in the right direction. <laughs> really? Well, well I guess yeah. that's why New York, they just lost a 300, what was it? It was $97 million in New York. No, it was actually it was 97 plus 86. So 160 in New York. They lost in California. They lost, I mean, there's a whole bunch of other class actions. Well, you know what? You know what? A company that gets sued for um, a class action suit and loses for some sort of discrimination, that's the company that will um, do all they can to not repeat that same um uh, that same scenario. Well, so, you know, I, I, so, I would say that so, to be true. So many how millions. many of these lawsuits have they gone through? Well, how, how many of these lawsuits happen that are new? They could just be old, but you know stuff gets in court and it stays there forever. Oh, I don't it just, know. This could, all, this could all, I mean, just playing the devil's advocate, this could all be stuff that happened in the past so many years ago, and it's just now coming into practice. And since 
uh, all these lawsuits have uh, well, come about. New ones they've I made changes. They made changes, so now we're not getting any new lawsuits. But they're he- we're hearing all about all the old stuff that happened. Oh. I mean, just throw it out there. I don't know. I mean, you, you've out. got a point. You've got a point, and there's some truth to that. I mean, there's those are the ones that have been settled. I would say that yeah, that happened like five years ago and ten years ago. Yeah. But there are some new issues that have been coming up that you know that allegedly they have. Uh, the courts just said, yeah, we can go through, and it's just starting, or somebody is now filing a new one. So I don't know. I mean, because you're always hearing about something, you know, and I guess they keep thinking that maybe we will go away. Or I remember it was somebody said this was perfect. They said, you know, if it was a company like, say, um, a huge corporation, like a Fortune 50, like an IBM or a Dell or a Google or something like that, and these people were making 60000 from 60000 and above, yeah. that America would have more of a major, no, oh, that's not fair. But because the salary range or the, the, um, the compensation range is so at. small, yeah. it's, it's not really gathering the outrage? But, I mean, you've got to remember, these are in the, the, the people that tend to work at Walmart, I mean, they're just typical average. They're typical, not just okay. They're the typical average mom and pop America. You know, some of them very low income, and unfortunately, these all of these individuals don't even know the laws. They don't know their rights, and most of the time, America just hasn't really been paying attention to these individuals. But if it was a person who had a doctorate or a bachelor's or a master's or a PhD or something like that. America will get in an uproar. So this is an opportunity for, uh, for lack of a better word, an employer employee advocate to sort of be a watchdog for these type of things. And that's where the union comes in, which everybody hates, but that's where the union comes in sometimes. But, you know, we got to say thank you to the, the reason we see more and more discrimination cases still today. I mean, it has gone up over 2,000%. Discrimination lawsuits have gone up 2,000% since 1978. Those were t- as of 2004, quotes, okay? Two thousand percent. Two thousand. We haven't gone away, okay? So you're saying like Archie Bunker is running the HR in a lot of these top companies? Well, a lot of the times HR hasn't taught Archie Bunkers how not to be Archie Bunkers. Hmm. I mean, a lot of times, too, HR themselves don't even know. There's a lot of people in HR don't even know what the EOC stands for. Hmm. Look, there are 500, according to USA Today, Okay, yeah. over 450 employment lawsuits a day. 450 lawsuits, employment, employee lawsuits, employment, employment lawsuits, lawsuits a, day. a day. There are more employment lawsuits than there are um, actual bankruptcy cases. Two hmm. different types of courts, one's in state, one's in federal. But, I mean, seriously. So, the, so I guess these companies are doing a really good job of keeping it quiet. No, they're not being kept quiet. I mean, the thing about it is that, you know, each of these court cases are going to be held like, okay, one will be done in a little local court here in San Diego, and it's not going to make the news. I mean, it's like we've got 6 million employees, and we may have about 10 or 20 or 40 of these a day just in San Diego alone, probably more. But unless it was going to be a class action, who's going to care? And it's like um, our partner said, he said, you know, Karen, you know, you hear about this problem, but then you never hear about the solution. Hmm. So it's like we'll hear about this major lawsuit, class action lawsuit, but if Walmart were to settle today, are we really going to hear about that? So we've got we've sort of gone around the barn on this on this topic, on a tangent. How can we relate all this back to recruiting for our recruiting audience? Well, the thing about it is don't do it. Well, there you go. That's, that's simple. Don't that's, do it. That's the walk away, and that's Karen Matt with the last word. Just don't do it. So like the reverse Nike advice. 
if you have any questions or comments that you would like to uh, have Karen and I argue over and explore, uh, by all means, uh, drop me an email. I can be reached at Jim Stroud, that's G-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D, at jimstroud.com. Um, any parting words besides uh, the reverse Nike advice? There? Just don't do it. <laughs> just don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Hey, just don't, okay, one word. You hmm. don't want to be the example. That is a long one word. <laughs> oh, that was a long one. Okay, how many words was that? Just don't be an example. And with that, thank you for listening in on this episode of the Recruiter's Lounge. Bye-bye, Karen. Bye-bye, I'm Jim. Right now, millions of people are looking for and finding jobs on the Internet. But are you getting paid when they find a job? Well, now you can. When online employment sites like Monster and CareerBuilder came on the scene, they took billions of dollars out of the pockets of the recruiter. But now, there's a new sheriff in town called WorkGiant, the recruiter's best friend. WorkGiant is empowering recruiters throughout the country to take back your industry. WorkGiant is a national and broadly focused job board, but with some very distinct differences. One difference is with WorkGiant, employers and recruiters can post jobs for free, search the resume database for free, and only pay 1% upon a hire. WorkGiant markets through professionals in the industry. Why? Because it's your industry. As a professional recruiter, you have the employer relationships. You have the job seeker contacts. It is your industry. It's yours to take back now. WorkGiant will never replace recruiter value-added services. In fact, we offer you a way to monetize 95% of the market that currently goes to the online job board industry. Refer current or former clients and surplus job seekers to your WorkGiant affiliate website. Refer once and you own the relationship. Then get paid every time they make a hire for as long as they make hires. Someone is going to lock up your employer contacts. It might as well be you. Every time a hire is made by one of your clients or one of your job seeker referrals, you get paid. It's that easy. So take back your industry with the power of residual income from WorkGiant. Well, that's it for this show. You've been a wonderful audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or <laughs> just plain hate what you just heard, uh, let me know. Your feedback matters. You can reach me through my website at jimstroud.com slash podcast. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D dot com slash podcast. So until next time, I'm Jim Stroud, and you're not. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay, cool. Until next time, bye-bye. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise, and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe. 